Welcome to Leadership Network's Future Church Podcast, a podcast with groundbreaking ideas curated just for you. With the need for the gospel in our generation, we must not look for a silver bullet approach. We believe there are many expressions of the local church. Learn how today's thought leaders are navigating the future of the church, 21st century solutions to 21st century challenges. We help leaders get the clarity needed to move from good ideas and intentions to results and impact. For more information about Leadership Network's resources, to help you pursue healthy growth and 100x impact, visit leadnet.org. Well, good afternoon. I'm your host, Hal Mayer. This is Leadership Network's Future Church Initiative Podcast. Today, I'm talking with Mark Lutz about his project, Deluxe Digital Church. Now, I tried to say that clearly. I'm not sure I got it there, Mark, but this is not your church. It's Lux, L-U-X, and you're... L-U-T-Z, right? Yeah, my last name is Lutz. Lux is the Latin word for light, and we find it in Matthew chapter 5. You are the light of the world. So, uh, yeah, our, our church is, believe it or not, not named after me. And my wife named it, actually. I didn't name the church. My wife named hey, it. Did I say your last name wrong? I did. Everybody, everybody, uh, everybody who has ever pronounced my last name says it wrong. Hal, you're not the first. You won't be the last, buddy. So, so I don't need to restart the podcast? You absolutely do not. Now, I respond to all forms of my last name. Lutz, 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 Lutz. I, you know, I just uh, I just roll with it. I know they're referring to me, so it's fine. <laughs> That's good. So give me give me just kind of a update on you guys a little bit where you're from and what brought you to what you're doing now and a little bit about what your project is. Sure. Um, so I uh, I was a pastor I, in, in Western Pennsylvania um, at a church for 11 years. Uh, my wife and I still attend that church with the kids uh, most weekends. Um, I started as a youth pastor, graduated from a Reformed Presbyterian school with a, a degree in youth ministry, um, went, found a, a part time gig. Uh, turned into a full-time gig, was youth pastor, discipleship pastor, oversaw a lot of different things, got to see that church grow. Um, But it was uh, towards the end of about 10 years in um, that I was starting to feel some, we'll call it holy discontent. Maybe it wasn't as holy as it was discontent, but whatever it was, um, you know, angst, 30 year old angst, uh, whatever, whatever it was, God does something different in your thirties. And so uh, we didn't really know what God was leading us to. I had been covering a couple of video games over podcast really uh, was compelled strongly by that was using that as an evangelistic tool and a way to, to minister to people and mentor young men um, inside of our online community and really began to realize the power that existed out there um, and the tools that were out there that I really didn't even know existed. I, I was not the digital person. Um, I, I had been off social media, off the grid for five years prior to starting our entirely online church. Um, I was a gamer, but I gamed to escape people, not to to you know in, connect with uh-huh. people. I, you know, I came home and, and killed people online. You know, I played <laughs> Assassin's Creed or shooters or whatever um, to take. You know, just at the end of the day, I was exhausted, done with dealing with people, and that you know that's what I did. Um, but what I found was gaming was this u- unique connection to uh, a really, really massive demographic of people who. Um, really had been shunned or outcasted by the church and had very little interest in the church and just realized I was encountering a lot of people that they they would rather go to hell than step to the doors of a brick and mortar church. And quite literally, oh, they were going to do that. Um, and yeah. so we were like, okay, well, like, 
What does it look like to do a church implementation online? We had seen some other people who had done it. um, And we took a little bit from their model, a lot from what I had learned from a decade of ministry, and then um, went through a church planning organization and launched our online church uh, in the online gaming community using Twitch and Discord um, back in March of 21. So six weeks later, I was at Exponential Austin. um, And now, you know, we're a year and a half after launch um, and things are awesome. Things are great. Well, tell us a little bit about your strategy. You're going online. How are you doing this? Um, yeah, what's it looking like? Uh, we try to help. Uh, what, I've, what I've really been doing is, uh, honestly, I feel like a lot of the calling on my life at this point has less to do. It has to do with the online church, but it has a lot more to do with serving as a bridge between pastors of physical churches and sure. the people who are experimenting in digital space. Cause I can walk in both of those worlds. And right. so what we've said um, has been like Twitch. If you don't know what Twitch is, Twitch is like a live streaming website. So uh, very similar to like, you can live stream on YouTube, on TikTok, on Instagram, but Twitch owns like 70 or 80% of the live streaming on the internet. And we're not talking about, um, streaming like Netflix on your on your TV. We're talking, I'm sitting in front of the camera and a microphone and I'm talking to you live and you're watching and interacting with me through text chat. And uh, I mean, Twitch had, I don't know, it, the, the, the numbers are absurd at this point, but it was, at, it was like 100 million unique viewers a month prior to COVID. That has probably tripled since then. Um, oh, wow. we're, we had over 3 million broadcasters. I think that has been up over 5 million. I don't know what the current stats on Twitch are. They're not super open about it, but we say that Twitch is our sanctuary. So if you imagine your physical building, um, imagine when people walk out of all of the other environments that you would welcome them into and welcome them into your sanctuary, that's our sanctuary. That's where we hold services. Then we use a program piece of software called Discord, which is very, very common in the gaming community. Um, If you're familiar with uh, apps like Slack um, or Microsoft Teams, it is sort of a a techier, um, more, (laughs) it's almost as like there's, it's a little more complex because there's significantly less restrictions on it. It's, it's flatter at base, but there's a lot more that you can do with it. And so there's a lot of programmers and software engineers who sort of creatively work in the space, creating all sorts of stuff. So we built out basically a platform for connection and community 24 seven on discord in our server, um, which you can visit by visiting discord.gg slash Lux L U X digital church. Um, that is everything else. So if Twitch is our sanctuary, um, discord is our welcome center and our next steps booth and our new members class. And it's our, uh, small group rooms and our children's ministry, which we don't really have a children's ministry, but if it was, it would be there. Um, so all of the other aspects of, you know, that's our devotionals and our, um, Prayer, prayer rooms, all of that stuff exists over on Discord, which presents a, a bajillion unique opportunities and a whole bunch of uh, unique challenges to running a church where anybody can talk to everybody at any time. Um, but it is, it's been very cool to see that space grow and see our church engage there and see very, very intimate, very deep relationships develop amongst our church family. I would say that I have witnessed faster, deeper relationships through Lux than I did through my decade of working in physical churches. Now, I remember you saying that before, and I'd always thought, obviously wrongly so, but that people are online, they're using fake names. How are they going to have real relationships? 
but you were talking about the depth of some of the conversations you were to have because there was a sense of, I don't know, anonymity or something, but people could talk straight with you. Talk about that for a second. Sure. I, I can use a couple of examples. So let me give you Ben wouldn't mind me using him as an example. Um, ben is a member of our team. He's been part of our church since day one. Um, ben came to me when I was doing the podcast and before we did the church and I offered, I said, Hey, I'm a pastor. In addition to doing this podcast, if anybody needs to talk, I'm here to listen. And um, Ben was, uh, he was living in the twin cities at the time. His marriage was on the rocks. He was in his uh, late twenties, just trying to figure out life actually early twenties at the time. And um, he reached out and just said, Hey, could I talk to you? And the reason was I was not a threat to his social circle at all. Right. right. I was completely outside of the context. Well, my relationship with Ben has continued. He's been part of my small group. He's a very consistent part of multiple teams at Lux. He was part of our launching team. Um, you know, he's since gone through divorce. He's since moved back home. He's since moved back out, but we've been part of that all along the way. We even had a point in time when our small group, he was in a particularly down season, our small group that he was in rallied together and paid for professional for counseling for him for a season, uh -huh. um, just to care for him and, and be there for him. And so I've seen those relationships develop and you're right. Like people come in. So for our community, something that's unique is people come in without age, without gender and without disability, right? They come in as a screen name and a profile picture, but every screen name and profile picture represents an actual soul of a person sure. who was created in the image of Christ and has a spiritual journey and a spiritual story. So there are many people in my church now who I've seen their faces. I know their names. I have their addresses. But there are also many, many people in my church who I don't know their real names. I haven't seen. I, I think of Zeph. Uh, Zeph. Uh, I know Zeph's real name. I'm not going to say it live on here because she's kind of private with that. Um, Zeph is in a small group. I've never seen Zeph's face. I have no idea what Zeph looks like, but Zeph has been a consistent part of our community, a member of our prayer team. She's there every single day. Um, she is part participating, encouraging people, praying for people every single day. But I've never seen Zeph's face, but I've had very deep conversations. Zeph's in my wife's small group. She's in our women's group, has had deep connections with the women in that group as well. And so uh, for me, what we have found is that names are just names. Um and so I know the vast majority of my church. I mean, we give people nicknames all the time, right? And you you would refer to somebody by their nickname or you sure. don't refer to somebody by their first name. You just refer to them as, as their last name, right? They might say, hey, mayor, instead of, hey, how? Sure. Um, that doesn't delegitimize the fact that you're connected to that name. And so, you know, when I say, hey, doc, who's one of my elders, um, his, his screen name is the 10th doctor forever. His real name is Corey. Everybody knows who I'm talking about when I talk about doc. Right. Because he's one of the leaders in our church and has been here since day one. Um, and so, you know, you would think and, and, and here's the thing, too, how like it's a generational thing to a certain extent. Like I grew up on AOL Instant Messenger. I came home every day from school. I got on my computer. I dialed up on the Internet. I logged into AIM and I messaged people. And I knew from sixth grade on that people are more open on the Internet than they will be with you in person. Um, yeah. And that includes their good side and their bad side, by the right. way. So there's unique challenges with that. But we have not had what I would consider to be. Of course, we've had some trolls come in and we've had people be a little fake here and there. And we've had people not be entirely honest. But to be honest with you, let's let's just get real. How many of us work in the physical church and know that there's people who show up every Sunday morning with a mask on and oh, we only find out? Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, you know, I, that's I, just the reality of how people are. Well, you know, your, your insight when you said, 
I can't influence their social circle so they can be more honest with me. Absolutely. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. And eventually we get to the point where it is now no longer right. We've seen a shift with a lot of our, our the, the legacy of our church has been the reignition of faith in many ways. We right. have a lot. It's we haven't started a church that attracted a bunch of people who were already going to church. There are a few people in our church who are who are sort of like we call them scaffolding folks. Um, these are people who came on to help us get going. A couple of them are full time pastors who are also helping us on the side because they want to see what digital ministry looks like. Some of them are just close friends of ours that were part of our launch team. But for the most part, the people who've come to our church, they were not going to a church. Right. So they're de-churched, unchurched folks. And so the reignition of faith is one of the things that we've seen. And what we're then seeing is not only are we not a threat to their social circles and their spheres of influence, but now we're seeing through transformation that's happening online, right? They're hearing the word preached. They're in Bible study. They're being prayed for. They're in small groups. They're in community. Through those things happening, we're seeing them then become missionaries in their social circles, right? So now they're actually impacting their immediate physical social circles. And we're seeing them invite friends into church and some of the very same things that you would happen in a physical church, except instead of all happening in one community, ours is happening in 50 communities all across the globe in smaller ways. When you guys launched, did you have an attendance you check uh, as now? So you look back, you go, okay, we had X number then. Now it's this number. How do you how do you uh, scale? What's what's that look like or feel like or how do you know you are? Whatever that question should be. Yeah. So I think one of the experiments with Lux, because we're blazing a new trail right there, there is very few churches out there who say we are a digital only expression of church. There's plenty of churches that have an online service. There's plenty of churches that are hybrid, um, but we are one of very few who are digital exclusively. And so for us, it hasn't been a matter of we know that these numbers mean that we're healthy. It's just we're just collecting numbers. And then one day, hopefully we'll figure out which ones show we're healthy. Um, The good news about an online church is literally everything is tracked by IP addresses. So I don't I don't need to like my counting's all done for me. Right. Twitch tells me how many people came to church, how many unique IP addresses have we had in the last six months, the last three days, the last three years. It tells me how many people engaged, how many people engaged for the very first time. It'll alert me when somebody follows, when somebody says something for the first time in chat, discord gives me stats on literally everything. How many? That's what every church wants. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I have a central location where my entire church talks to one another. Right. And in that location, I can look up any individual and see how many messages they've sent at any period of time. I can see how active they are. I can see how active they are. They touch into our server when they look at stuff, read stuff, react to stuff. I can look at any stat that I want as long as we know how to get at it. And the cool thing is, is it's not slipping away from me. So like, let me just give you an example. We didn't start tracking stats until we were a year in. So we didn't really look heavily at attendance numbers, but a year in, I was able to go back and collect every single stat on my church from the past year that I didn't collect for a year and then do a year over year analysis of them. And wow. so because because Twitch and Discord store these stats because they want to sell them, right? They don't want to lose any bit of information they have, right? Because we're a guest on their platform. They're selling advertising space, right? So they're collecting all the information they can because they're collecting that information and they're giving me access to that information. It's enabling me to backtrack and find virtually any statistic that I want at any time throughout the history of our church, which is a really cool feature of an online church. So give me some of your stats then. 
Oh, off the top of my head. Uh, I'm not. Of course. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not really a stats a stats guy so much. I, I'll tell you this. Um, you know, we've seen our we've seen our Discord server triple in size in year one. Um, from oh. from like within the first month of our church being active to where we are. You know, uh, thirteen months in, um, where we were thirteen months in, our, our Discord server has has easily tripled. We just saw our church live stream uh break 500 viewers this week or, i'm sorry not 500 viewers 500 followers this week um i know last summer we were averaging somewhere between like 25 and 32 okay. active viewers we're averaging 45 to 55 active viewers this summer okay. so we're seeing you know active attendance probably i don't i, I i'm not just gonna throw numbers off the top sure. of my head because i'm not looking at them no, we have a spreadsheet with all the information happened, yeah. Yeah, but no, we're seeing we're seeing continual consistent growth in every aspect. We're we're seeing consistent growth in giving, we're seeing consistent growth in attendance, we're seeing consistent growth with engagement. Um and one of the unique things about our church is if we have 50 people in church, 40 of them will engage typing throughout the course of the service. Wow. Whereas your average church, you might see 100 viewers at your YouTube service and three people say something during Correct. the course of the service. Two of them are your hosts. Um, we see almost 80 to 85% of our viewers actively engaged in the chat. And because we are a digital only church and I'm not preaching to a physical audience and my, my, you know, and then putting everybody else in the digital ghetto, um, we're actively engaging with them the entire time we're doing service. We had a guy preach last night. Um, it was a guest preacher and, um, Andy did a really great job, but it was interesting because he was able to read and engage with the church it the entire time he preached if he wanted to. Um, I mean, the whole church was talking to one another and to him while he was teaching. So our teaching looks a little bit different. Our welcome moments look a little bit different. Our prayer time looks a little bit different um, because our audience, for lack of a better word, is the on like there is no physical people that we're attending to whenever we're doing church. If you're like most leaders, no one ever actually taught you how to lead a church. Even if you ace seminary, there are so many unanswered questions and problems that no one equipped you for. It's time to take the mystery out of leading your church forward. The Art of Leadership Academy is an online learning community created by Carrie Newhoff. Inside, you'll find a host of premium on-demand courses and the strategies and insights you need to lead and grow your church. Plus, the Art of Leadership Academy offers community hosted by qualified experts and peer-to-peer -peer learning. And you'll get live monthly coaching and done-for-you staff training, all for $397 a year. That's it. No catch. Think of it as the best investment in leadership development you'll make all year. Go to theartofleadershipacademy.com to sign up. That's the art of leadershipacademy.com to learn more and to get instant access. Yeah, you mentioned something earlier. Uh, you may be one of the first bicultural guys I know. What I mean that is you can live in the physical world and in the digital world and you know how to talk to both. I mean, so many people are one or the other. So I, you mentioned this, but you're seeing a lot of churches coming in and say, Hey, we want to start something like this. How do we do it? Well, you know what? It's interesting. He asked that how, because what my wife and I were literally having a conversation. Our ninth anniversary was yesterday and we were out in a kayak. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. And we were literally having a conversation about whether or not I should start 
offering some consulting services for churches that are looking for help. And I think that's a direction that we're going to head in that have no idea how to do it. Um, but a lot of what we've done has been, how do we bridge the gap between the digital and the physical? How do we help physically minded pastors, pastors who've planted, started physical churches, grasp not only the importance, but also the opportunity in the digital space? Then how do we help them find the right people who are literally sitting in the pews in their congregations, right? What we have found is there's people who will never go to the physical church, but they need to go there. And so they 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 re-encounter Jesus and church community through us, and then they go find a physical church. And then what we've also found is there's people sitting in the pews or in the chairs in physical churches, probably all of them, who would truly be more alive and active if they were engaged with a, with a digital community. And uh, that's why I think the future of the church likely looks, at the very least, a lot more hybrid than what we're seeing it today. Right. Um, and so a lot of what we've done is help churches develop. Like I've just done a lot of meetings with churches all across the country. You know, I'll just take 30 minutes and we just talk through what they're doing and we go through like, okay, what is your actual digital strategy and uh, what is okay for it not to be? And what should it like, what's okay. What needs it, what needs to happen if this is going to be your strategy. And we've really helped churches narrow that down in basically three categories. And, and we've broken that out a little bit with a handful. And so that's, that's what we found to be helpful. And once again, because I can, I can speak both languages, right. it has enabled me to help bridge the gap between what some, you know, gamers and techies are talking because they talk an entirely different language, right? Like the gamer language is its own thing. The techie language is its own thing. And a lot of pastors just don't speak in that language. Um, they haven't had to, and that's okay. There's nothing right. wrong with that. Well, you need a translator. Yeah, that's that's you, you. You said something that I think is the real thing. The physical church is trying to measure right now and increases engagement because you've got a lot of involvement but not engagement. I don't know if that's the right way to say it. And it was very interesting to hear you say how many, what number of people in your attendance engage and connect. That that's. There's something in that that's gold. Well, we say this at our church all the time because keeping in mind that a lot of what I say then gets put out to our what we call our on-demand family. So these people who are watching our VOD, our YouTube video, our podcast afterwards, and um, we say this consistently, church is not just spectation, it's participation. And so we need you to do more than just listen or just watch. We need you to actually come and actively be involved in the community. And I think a lot of pastors, we had covid we saw a spike in our attendance online. Some sort of bu busted the algorithm and they didn't know how they did it. Right. But they went from like 30 people watching them to 30,000 people watching them. And they're like, I have I have literally no idea what to do with these people. And they they still don't. The numbers have decreased, but they're still like, what am I supposed to do with all of these people who are just watching church? We all know this isn't really church. What am I supposed to do with them? And, and the reality is how I think. <laughs> there's a lot of pastors who are currently asking, how do I take the people who are watching me on the internet and, and get them to engage more? And the, the answer is typically you, you often can't, right? You're, you're trying, you're asking a whole bunch of people who just want to consume church stuff right? to not to do more than consume church stuff. And that's not the demographic and the people that we're 
like looking towards like the demographic, the people that we're looking towards are digital natives, right? They already build community. They already build relationships. This is all where already where they live their life. The idea of doing church and spiritual journey with a group of people that have never physically met isn't a challenge to them. They don't even think twice about it. And to be honest with you, Gen Z doesn't think twice about it. They don't create a division between their online friends they've never met and their in-person friends they go to school with those that line is not just blurred. It doesn't exist for them. So then, and I say this a lot, the current generation, my generation and up, they, they use the internet as a tool. The next generation lives their life on the internet, a portion of their life, at least. And some more, some less. And, and that's why we need churches and spiritual guides in these digital spaces, because that is where a lot of people are going for their theology. It's where people are going for, their understanding of of what life is about, of what their purpose is, all of those sorts of things. And I know I, I probably really got on a tangent there and off topic because um, we were talking about like, you know, pastors that have have, uh, you know, churches online. But the, the truth of the matter is, is that a lot of times you're not using the platform that's actually conducive to engagement. You're not doing right. things that are all conducive to engagement. If you're, if you're talking to a camera that's on the other side of the room while you're preaching to your physical audience, everybody there knows you're not there for them. No one is tricked by that. And yeah. you, your, your strategy, if you really want to do it, if you just want to post your service on Facebook so that the person who's at camp that weekend or on vacation can still watch and, and they don't miss out on something, that's fine. There's nothing wrong with that. The point is, is I think that there's pastors asking, how can I engage people when we're not really having the honest conversation of what sacrifices and changes you need to make to actually make engagement happen, right. which is not just broadcasting your service up and putting a nice graphic before and after it. It's just not, it's not going to do it. No one wants to engage with that. Right. So you typically would teach from right where you are or preach, whatever that is. I preach from our studio. So I'm in a studio above our garage, um, which is the other great thing. It cost me a fraction of the amount as it would to plant a church, to build a studio. Um, sure. And uh, and so I'm currently sitting just at my PC and I do do live streaming from here, but this isn't where I teach from. So uh, we have two backdrops that are built in our studio, one on one side, one on the other. One is a couch um, with a bunch of like nerd stuff in the background. My wife and I sit on that couch at the beginning of service for 15, 20 minutes and just talk to chat. We welcome people in by name. We let people know that we're glad they're there. We answer a question of the day. We laugh. We make jokes. We talk to the people. Like I have two or three people in the studio with me. Um, and then we'll swap to worship and we do a song where people raise prayer concerns. Then uh, one of us prays. And sometimes it's not in studio. A lot of times we bring in a feed from outside the studio. So I have, you know, Chino Mage from Tampa and Doc from Wisconsin and, and Janny from PA who all take a week, a month and pray for our prayer concerns. So it's not just, you're not just, I'm not just the talking head of the church. And then, um, and then I, I teach and I teach basically it, it, like I am 12, 14, I mean, maybe, maybe two and a half foot from the camera um, talking into a microphone that you can see looking directly into the lens so that you know that I'm seeing you and I can see the chat. So I know what's happening in chat. I'm, I'm literally breaking to ask questions, read chat and answer questions while I'm teaching. If, so if you want engagement, like that's where it begins. Like it begins with intentionality. If your intentionality is on the people in the room or just creating, you know, as, as soon as you go to like a broadcast ministry, and you really just right. start trying to create the best product you can, you immediately start competing with Craig Groeschel. And like, why is anybody 
my real question is like, why would anybody come and watch your church when they could watch Craig Rochelle's church unless they have an existing relationship with you physically? It's the only yeah. reason they're going to come. And so, you know, when we're talking about engagement, we really have to, we really have to take a step back and deconstruct what we think an online church experience should be like. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's, that's good. Hey, how about a, a story or two of some big wins you've had along the way? Uh, you mentioned something earlier, but whatever you guys would draw is a big win. Tell us about it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, one of our big wins is coming up. Actually, we're doing our first physical gathering for our church. Um, okay. We're doing a, a Pittsburgh meetup and we're going to have our first two baptisms um, at the Pittsburgh meetup, which is super exciting. Uh, one girl who was baptized uh, Jehovah's witness is going to be rebaptized as oh, nice. you know, follower of Jesus. And, and one girl who was baptized as an infant is going to be baptized as a believer. That's really exciting for us. Those are, those are two big wins that are just, you know, on our radar right now. Um, and, and I, you know, I think you could go through and if you've listened, I'm sure that DJ has been on this thing and JPO has been on this thing and Jate has been on this thing, you know, pretty much all of us at one point or another have talked about Alice. Uh, everyone is, has mentioned Alice from the UK. She was literally on like good morning America or the today show earlier this week, um, with, uh, with DJ, I think. Um, and Alice is part of our church. There's a piece of artwork from her that's up on the wall in our studio. She's part of my Tuesday afternoon small group. We've been discipling her for the last year. Um, so like there's, there's stories like that that are really good. I think some of the best stories though, um, I think of like my, our friend Templar, um, who he's Canadian at the time that he came into our church, he and his wife were living on an Indian reservation in Northern Ontario, um, that you could only get access to through ice road and seaplane. Um, there was a Pentecostal church that had shut down and a Roman Catholic church that had pretty much died in the community. We're talking negative 30 degrees, COVID shut down, no church, no activity, nothing. Um, when they began plugging in with our church Wow! and, um, you know, now his wife as there pretty much every week when she's not working, um, Templar is our lead admin uh, for our Discord server. He helps manage all of that. Um, he's also part of one of our live shows on Friday afternoons. Um, we talk nerd stuff and, and faith stuff. Um, and, you know, he had not been in church for probably 10 years prior to, you know, really finding a spiritual home here at Lux. And maybe one of the greatest victories and the most significant things is just simply the fact that our church is predominantly men. Like, oh, wow predominantly men. Um, I don't know what the stat is, but it's a lot of guys. And if you're, I mean, I mean, honestly, the whole church is like sitting around saying like, and, and maybe not, you know, if you have a, a healthy, really big church or something, maybe your, your statistics are better, but for the average church, right. Oh, yeah, the statistics right. are pretty bad. Like men are pretty absent. And if you're like, if you're wondering where all of the men are, they're all playing video games. Like I know where they are. Um, they, now there's lots of women gamers and we have not, we have plenty of non gamers who are part of our church as well, who've just found a spiritual home with us. Um, but yeah, I think that's a big victory for us. There's all kinds of them that like sure. along the way that we've seen, like just lives turn around, um, like Biddy Beth, she's just came into our community about a month and a half ago. And I don't want to share her whole story, but basically she was in a really, really bad place, um, when she came in and, um, you know, she's on the other side of the country. She's. 36 hours away from me. Um, and uh, it was like, I, th there was very little that we could do, but since then, like we've got her in a better living situation. Um, she's out of a really poisonous and dangerous relationship. Um, she's trying to get healthy. She's seeing a counselor. Like 
her life is transforming, not just digitally. Her right. physical life is completely transforming. And I think, you know, most pastors are like, well, what do you mean you're online? Like, don't you care about their physical life? And it's like, well, here's the thing. Like you as a pastor hope that when you preach in your physical church on a Sunday morning, that your congregants don't go home and act like complete tools on Facebook that night. Right. Which they all do. We know it. Right. They all act like idiots on Facebook. We get it. Um, so you hope that your physical teaching transforms their digital life in addition to their physical life. And the same is true for us. We hope that our digital presence transforms their digital that's, life, but we also hope it transforms their physical life. That's really good. That's really good. Uh, what's the next big hill you guys are looking at? What, what's something you're trying to chase down? Well, you know, <laughs> there's always something to a certain extent, right? Some of that is sort of like, okay, we've been at this a year and a half. We've raised a lot of money to launch it um, and less money than what you would need for a physical church. But some of it is like, okay, what does financial stability look like for a church like ours? Um, because here, here's, here's the truth. I know that our church is a church, but I also know that probably most pastors of physical churches who are listening to this podcast have said, well, how are they doing it financially? And then they're saying, well, you're not really a church until you're a big grown up and you're financially responsible yourself. Right. And I'm in this grace period right now in this right. season where no one expects a church plant to be financially viable in the first three years. So I had three years to find a way to make our church financially viable and show the world basically, Hey, guess what? Digital expressions of church are not only viable, they're practical. And right. Because my overhead starts very similar to a physical church's, right? I have upstart costs. I have staff costs. But the bigger my church gets, the bigger difference there is in cost, right? The bigger a physical church gets, their costs keep going up. Mine won't go up nearly as quickly. So right. my church at 5,000 people will be significantly cheaper to maintain than a physical church of 5,000 people right. um, and with larger opportunity for impact. So all that to say, that's one of the big hills that we're looking at. It's like, what does it look like for a group of 25 to 35 year old nerds to financially support a church realistically? Um, I didn't start with the luxury of a bunch of 65 plus pew sitters who can cut a check for me because they've tithed their whole life. None of my church, for the most part, has ever tithed. And most of them don't have any money to tithe. <laughs> and so... Right. Um, so there's some challenges that are unique to that just, but you know what, if we started a physical church that was full of nothing but 20 and 30 year old people, we would have the same financial challenges. So we're, we're trying to figure out what that looks like for our future. Honestly, the next big hill we're really excited for, we're fighting. We're in the really early stages of digital missionaries and digital uh, churches inside of our space, specifically the video game space. And we see this opportunity to fight for unity, unlike can be fought for in the physical church. And so um, we raised the funds and organized something called the Megazord Summit in October, um, where we're bringing Megazord. together Megazord. If you remember Power Rangers, there was all of these Zords that would combine together to make this giant robot. Um, we're bringing together 15 to 18 of the biggest content creators, digital missionaries, and digital church leaders in the space. We are flying all of them into Cincinnati to Rivers Crossing Church, which is one of our supporters and a big financial supporter for this event. Um, we're paying for their hotel, their food, their flights, everything. Oh, wow. And then we are pouring into them alongside of New Thing Network and the Church Digital um, who and uh, and Love Thy Nerd, which is a nonprofit organization that's on mission inside of gaming conferences. Love um, Thy Nerd, I love it. Yeah, <laughs> which you guys got to check them out. They have like seven full time missionaries, um, and they're they're just they're they're absolute fire. The stuff that they do. Bubba's the leader of that organization. 
Um, we're partnering with them and these other organizations to bring these guys around the same table to eat meals together, to play games together, and to be poured into um, spiritually and strategically. We're doing a lot of strategic planning. I'm actually taking all the stuff that I learned, Hal, uh, at your church, Church of the Springs, um, when we did intentional churches, um, taking the uh -huh. stuff from intentional churches, and we're doing crash courses with these online content creators of identifying their one and building their flywheel and, in, and building their engagement pathways um, so that they can learn how to better not just evangelize, but disciple their already large fan bases. And so that stuff's all coming in October of this year. Um, and that stuff was all birthed out of the heart of one guy who came to our church. He goes by Saint, Saint Bear. His real name is Zach. Um, he works for Storyland Studios, who does a lot of um, rebranding and architecture and stuff for big churches. They're doing the, the Willow Creek to Willow project. They're doing the Saddleback project right now. He's a project manager for them, but his heart, has really been for these digital expressions of church. And so um, he's been managing the project and I've been vision casting for it and pitching for it. And it's happening in October. Um, we're really, really excited uh, about that because, because it has the opportunity to say in this space, we don't compete. We complement. Yeah. And so much of my heart when I got into ministry was to unite churches across denominational lines. And sure. If you tried to do it at any point in your ministry too, how you know how frustrating and almost impossible oh, it is. Absolutely. absolutely. And I, we see this opportunity, this window inside the digital space as it's getting started. Cause we know it's going somewhere. Like all of us can like from the outside, you can't see it, but inside you can see the momentum. Like, you know, that this, is, this isn't going away. Like this is right. going to transform the way the church does church. We know that but we have the ability to set a tone in the very beginning that the leaders in this space can say here, we work together. We speak well of one another. We're allies. We're not enemies. And that's really what the Megazord summit is all about. It's fighting for unity in the, in the body of Christ before Satan has a chance to come in and see disunity. Oh, that's so good. So uh, if somebody wants to find out more about you, what you're doing and all this, where do they find you? Give us some places to look. Yeah, uh, you could find us at Lux, L-U-X, digitalchurch.com. That's our website. You can Google Lux Digital Church. The good thing about starting a digital church is nobody has your name on the internet. Um, and so it's easy to find us on Instagram, TikTok, Discord, website. Uh, you can find our Twitter page, but there'll be nothing on it because I hate Twitter. Um, and I'm sorry if you love Twitter but it's a cesspool. So I'm not even going to go there. Um, and, and I'll just be, I'll just be honest. Uh, if you're listening to the podcast and you're like, I have this dream in my heart right now yeah. to do digital ministry. And I don't have anybody to talk to in my church to encourage me. And there's nobody here that gets it. Like literally call me. My number is 724-650-5432. You can call me and leave me a voicemail. I will, if I, if I don't pick up, leave me a voicemail. I'll get back to you. Um, if you're a church, who's just like, we don't, we don't know what to do with the people that we have online or how do we do more than just broadcast our service? We have a heart for it. And we have a, a pastor who's on our staff who has a heart for it. Like call me um, more than willing to have some of those conversations. Um, and if you feel like you're just putting it off because you feel like we're not in the right place right now, like stop doing that, please. Um, the, the ground is hard, but it's fertile. It just hasn't been plowed ever. And so, uh, there is ripe opportunity for new growth outside of the traditional church trellis. Um, but 
like we need workers and, and but but we need workers with grit like we need people who are willing to stick with it and put in the work and not check out when it gets hard because it's really freaking hard all right man as we're wrapping up anything else you might want to say or i've missed to ask or anything like that no just sorry if i got real excited and offended anybody at any point throughout this podcast because oh, there's man. always a high chance of that so oh listen you're just fun because you're speaking out of passion and I'd way rather listen to somebody passionate than somebody in a monotone voice who's always very cautious. So thanks for being a great interview, man. You've, you've done a great job. So thanks for your time, buddy. Thanks, Hal.